Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your market view. Now, it's been a busy week for central banks and, of course, a week filled with anxiety for us investors. We've all gotten our answers, isn't it? The Fed has raised interest rates by yet another 75 basis points in a bid to prevent price increases from being entrenched in the U.S. economy. Now, the move has been largely priced in and expected by economists. Not so much of a surprise there. But perhaps what's more interesting is where the Fed sees the U.S. economy economy going and what it wants to do in the future. Now, that's especially so as the central bank moves into a restrictive monetary policy territory that could more seriously impact the economy. So let's see if we can get any clues on the Fed's future moves from their rate decision today. And joining me on the line, helping us out is Luke Brown, Senior Portfolio Manager and Head of Asset Allocation, Multi-Asset Solutions, Team Asia, Manual Life Investment Management. Hi, Luke. Good evening. I hope you're well. Yeah, I'm well, doing fine. And I hope the same for you. As well. Indeed, very well. Right, so Luke, let's start with the big news of the day. The Fed moving rates by another 75 basis points. Earlier, people were speculating a one full percentage point. So do you think three quarters of a percentage point is enough or too much? How are markets likely to react over the coming days? Well, I think as you suggested in your introduction, the 75 basis points was expected, was fully priced in. Uh, I think there was a degree of anxiety from the market that 1% was more possible than had previously been predicted. But for me, I think, you know, the Fed has stuck to their guns. They've been consistent with the previous messages. And that's why the 75 basis points being delivered is no surprise. Now, there are, of course, knock-on effects. And, you know, we've seen some of the impacts on risk assets. But I think what's more interesting to look at is what I would view as something of a, of a changing guidance from the Fed on what the future path looks like. Right. So markets in the meantime, they are saying that we have to look beyond the interest rate hikes to look at how the Fed is assessing the U.S. economy right now. Fed Chair Jerome Powell has talked about the job market seems to be softening up. Any clues that we can get from the FOMC meeting for now? Well, that's exactly right. And, you know, it is this forward guidance now prior to um, the rate decision and the communication from the Fed. The market, broadly speaking, was looking for a peak in rates uh, coming in uh, sort of around the 4% level in the first quarter or half of 2023, and then the potential for a more dovish stance from the Fed. Now, this has changed. Um, the forward guidance from the Fed now is a terminal rate closer to 4.5%, that the expectation is for rates higher for longer. And as you say, this has impacts on the broader economy. What seems clear to me is the Fed is going to be dogmatic in their pursuit of moderating price rises. And to do that, they are going to look at demand destruction and they understand and accept the risk that this pushes the U.S. economy into recession. Right. So in that sense, do you agree with the Fed's assessment of the economy and the way that it's handling the inflation situation? Granted that there is a lag time between earlier rate hikes and how prices react we have yet to see a clear indication of prices coming down, and that must mean that there are some other underlying issues that we have to solve apart from raising rates, isn't it? Well, exactly. And I think, you know, the path that the, the Fed has taken is entirely consistent with what they have explained to markets, that the moderation of price rises, control of inflation is their number one objective. <clears throat> now, in pursuing that, as we started talking about, I think, you know, the Fed are going to be looking for cl- three clear things which is 
loosening of the labour market, which also implies an increase in unemployment. They're going to be looking for below-trend growth. And, of course, price rises to trend down towards their long-term target of 2%. Now, I do stress trend towards, not reach, because as we know that there is always a lag effect in monetary policy and tightening conditions. Right. So, Luke, should we be looking at supply side of things instead of just, you know, raising interest rates on the demand side? Well, yeah, this, this I think, is one of the, the critical discussions and something that we debate at length with our macro team, who has some very clear views on this and have made some excellent calls. And I, I think, you know, if we're looking for some positive aspects into, into the future, sort of six months and beyond, uh, I do think that there is the possibility for easing of pressures in supply chains, moving away from some of the base effects that we've had in cost push inflation, the stickiness that we've seen and the, what the Fed has been concerned about. So if you combine that with some demand destruction um, on demand pull inflation, then I think the Fed has a, a very good chance of achieving their objectives in the time frame that they've outlined. But as I stress, potentially at the cost of uh, recessionary environments in the U.S. Well, speaking of a recessionary environment, uh, do you think we will go beyond a peak funds rate, a peak Fed funds rate of 4.5% by next March? Um, well, the, the view of our team is that the, the indications and the pricing in the market is, is about right. Um, we come in a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we will be obviously actively reassessing that depending on the data coming out in the next few weeks. It is possible that we start to see a turnover in core CPI and relevant data for the Fed towards the end of the year, and this might be a Christmas present for markets. Maybe a a lower um, increase towards the year end than is currently predicted, but as I say, that's more of a Christmas present than an expectation. Right. So as we await that Christmas present, Luke, I want to take us to Italy. Now, Italy will head to the polls this Sunday. To what extent do you think this would impact bond yields there? Well, it's, it's a very good question. And looking at the uh, Bund BTP spread, so the 10-year maturities of Germany and Italy, is something that we keep a close eye on. We've already heard from the ECB um, that they are prepared to take action across the Eurozone to ensure that these basis spreads do not widen too far. However, we only have to look at the BTP trading more than 230 basis points higher uh, than the equivalent German bond. And that is a function of both the political turmoil that we see and also broader concerns, I think, about um, how the Eurozone is going to be able to navigate the, the various challenges they face at the moment. Now, from the politics side and the elections, yes, I do feel that there is um, a material risk that the result of the elections could further um, undermine the BTP market. Now, if that then moves to the sort of 4% level um, in the 10-year that the ECB have talked about as a line in the sand, it's going to be interesting to see is if there is concrete action rather than the rhetoric that we've had so far. Right. If you're just tuning in, we are now speaking to Luke Brown, Senior Portfolio Manager, Head of Asset Allocation, Multi-Asset Solutions Team Asia at Manulife Investment Management. Now, Luke, I also want to take us to China. The Chinese yuan has been sliding against the dollar in recent days. In fact, just passed that 7 yuan per dollar mark thanks to policy divergence between the two nations. The PBOC is trying to quietly push back through daily fixings, but for how long do you think they can continue before they act firmly on the currency's weakness? 
Well, I, I, what we're watching on this for now is, you, you know, you're absolutely right on the policy divergence, but I think, you know, there's also GDP divergence considerations there right. as well. So we're going to be looking for those numbers. I believe that the PBOC will continue on their path of daily fixings for the, the, the immediate future. What I'd be watching as a catalyst for change is approaching and indeed perhaps breaching the 720 level that we see, see as a recent high. I see. And speaking of currency weakening, another currency that has been weakening is the yen. And the Bank of Japan, in fact, announcing its interest rate decision today. To what extent or for how long do you think the BOJ can continue with that dovish stance? Well, I think we've seen some very interesting action out of Japan today. Not, you know, not just the rate decision to keep things accommodative and no change, but also the statement that guidance is unlikely to change um, over a protracted period of time. Um, Equally, we then hear news that the um, Ministry of Finance in Japan has intervened in the currency markets for the first time, I think, in over 25 years. The the immediate reaction there was quite violent and effective, um, but I think that there will be more to do. Now, will this dovish position and the the weak Japanese yen help stimulate wage growth? Mm. I, I, I think what we need to look for there is the inflation numbers feeding through into the broad market and looking for those negotiated wage terms to get nominal uh, wage growth higher than it is now. Are we seeing any signs of that happening, though? Any signs that the BOJ is effectively achieving its goal in a way? Um, there, there is no immediate data that we can point to to suggest that it's being effective. Right. As, as we know with these kind of decisions, we do have to have a degree of patience and start looking through not just the data we see today, but where we expect that to migrate through over the coming months. All right. And Luke, in the meantime, how should retail investors, especially those who are tuning in now from Singapore, uh, position their portfolios? Which asset classes and geography should we be looking at? Well, clearly it's a challenge for all investors with elevated volatility and the daily moves that we're seeing across asset classes. And in some respects, you know, there have been little places to hide from a top-down level. However, uh, I do believe, and, and certainly the way we are positioning portfolios, we do see opportunities in this volatility. Um, I do think that um, U.S. Treasuries are becoming more attractive as, mm. as a defensive allocation. And then if we look within equities, there are certain sectors that perform better in these kind of environments. So avoiding discretionary, moving into staples as one example. And then also in the credit space, um, less sensitive duration assets such as high yield taking advantage of widened spreads. Now, with all of this, of course, it needs to be considered in the context in the risk and return objectives. But as I say, opportunities are emerging. Right. Thank you very much, Luke. Opportunities there in a volatile market, though. Um, That was Luke Brown, Senior Portfolio Manager and Head of Asset Allocation, Multi-Asset Solutions Team Asia at Manulife Investment Management. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.